Blog Talk Radio. Michael Joy with Horror News Confidential, and 
Joining me today is Andy Gates. How are you doing, Andy? I'm great. Michael, thanks for having me, and great intro. Uh, thank you so much, man. Hey, sorry for the uh, little bit of a delay getting off the ground, but that happens sometimes. It happens. These technical things, we we, don't, we think we're in control, but we're really not, and they just have their way sometimes. So, the blessed ones. Yes, it's actually it's nice to hear someone say the blessed ones because that is a that is also uh, a way to say it. Most people out here in LA are calling it the blessed ones, which sounds like so. Um, I, I guess it's in, intriguing. I, I've I've seen it so many times, and of course, this is the third time the name has changed. Uh, well, the second actually. So. I'm just immune to all of it, but the blessed ones, yes. Okay, so what I wanted coast pronunciation. (laughs) Let's start from, I guess, let's start from the beginning, because you know I really want to talk to you about the 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 process and and everything that you know this movie has has gone through and changes. Um, You said it's the third Mm -hmm. title. So what was it called before The Blessed Ones? Well, right before The Blessed Ones, it was called Polaris. That was a title that uh, the director, my collaborator and producer, Patrick O'Bell, and I, uh, we changed it from the original title, which was The Divine Order. Um, And so the reason that we changed it from The Divine Order is after we finished the film, uh, we we had more or less locked it and we were kind of looking at the, the movie uh, as like, okay, who, who in their right minds would release this movie? Because we knew we, even though we had a, a, a soft spot for it and we're proud of our work, we just were like, you know, it, it's not a, necessarily a commercial movie. So we, we registered the, the project and had kind of looked at LLCs and all that kind of businessy stuff. And, uh, we saw that the the divine order when when doing a search on I guess it was the Library of Congress website, um, it was very highly religious. Um, anything that had been registered under the the divine order, whether it was a book or a CD or or a movie project or whatever it was, was very 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 religious. And, well, well, I mean that kind of makes sense, you know. It yeah no it does with with the words involved in that title yeah for sure um and i i just think we we kind of were like i guess wanting to get away with away from that not because of any other reason than just trying to set it apart and and having a title that felt more aligned with what the movie was at that point and so polaris is the is the name of the star that the cult leader is promising the the followers that once they drink the the cyanide um They'll they'll go live and thrive on the star of Polaris and Polaris. Okay. That was changed. That, that was changed. Yeah, that was changed uh, because the distributor who ended up uh, taking on the film thought that it sounded a little bit too much like a science fiction movie, which he didn't really classify it as. And also, there is a little trick of the trade with um, distribution um, when you're dealing with VOD titles that aren't necessarily a name brand like oh, Brad Pitt's in this movie or so-and-so's in this movie or this movie's directed by so-and-so that everybody, kind of a, a, a household name, for lack of a better term, they tend to 
to to skew uh, higher in the alphabet, like towards like the A letter, the B letter, the C letter, uh, for VOD okay. purposes. So if somebody's scrolling through, kind of just looking for something to watch, browsing, they'll start with numbers and A and that sort of thing. I didn't I didn't know that. That oh. was news to me. I thought that was kind you, of interesting. You know, I, I find that fascinating because I, I've never really thought of it, but it makes so much sense um, that usually when you're in some kind of movie database, it does start with A and, you know, go, it goes down the alphabet. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it would make sense that, you know, you have a title that, you know, is in the beginning of the alphabet and that would probably be one that would be seen more than like, you know, uh, a movie called, uh, you know, um, I don't know, Zoo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Zed, Zed at the Zoo. Um, right, right. Uh, I guess if people could name their movie Aaron Aronson, they would do that. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it does make sense. You're right. You're right. I, um, our movie is on VOD and I haven't, I don't have cable, but I, I could go downstairs to my neighbor's place and see how that actually would work. Um, but I, I guess you just sort of, usually I'm looking for something specific when I'm on TV and, you know, it's like Netflix or whatever it is. So let's talk about that. Why don't you have cable? Well, uh, my wife and I, we, we did have cable for a long time and, uh, we just didn't really watch a lot of it. And this was, you know, when, when Netflix and Amazon and, other other types of streaming channels um, started to become more of what you were watching, whether it was on your phone or your tablet or what, whatever. It, it just we were kind of skewing away from TVs. Not that we don't have TVs, um, but it was it was an expense here in LA. It's just it, it uh, it's now Spectrum, but it just became like kind of silly because we didn't we didn't use the live TV and we were already paying for you know, different streaming services, whether it was Netflix or the other things. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm just we curious were, we were kind of about, like, yeah, like how, how, like, different people get there, because a lot of people are going more with, away from the cable television and, and going more with, like, specifically Netflix or, like, um, you know, another um, you know, another kind of service like that. So uh, I'm always curious to see, like, why people aren't going with the traditional like old school cable. Yeah. And I mean, there's, gosh, there's having a young child at home. There's only so many hours of the day that I can actually sit down and watch TV. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty faithful to, um, you know, movie titles, horror movie titles that I'm trying to, to get into and, 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 and watch whether it's friends, you know, friends I want to support and watch their work or, or just something that I've been meaning to see. I'm still pretty old school. Right. I get movies from the library. So I, there's, oh, wow. yeah, there's you a know lot what, of, too. yeah, yeah. Support your local library and uh, get free stuff from them. Yeah. Um, no, so, so, yeah, I, 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 I do it. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's so many different ways to get your um, your fix of uh, of story and content that um, and there's just so so little hours in the day that um, you know having a small child you're always looking to like cut costs and you know whether it's Costco or or whatever the case may be but 
So I want to circle that is back my... around to the blessed ones. Um, for those who aren't familiar with, uh, and I know you touched on it just a little bit, what, um, you know, what's the movie about? The movie is about a cult that is a, um, loosely based on uh, the Heaven's Gate uh, incident. About 20 years ago in Southern California, there was a, a couple that had, had uh, grown a following and um, it kind of coincided with the, the Hale-Bopp comet. They were they were um, convinced that this was going to be a passageway to a better life, and uh, everybody committed suicide in this uh, house at the same time. And I, uh, Patrick and I had seen a documentary that was that was really like well done. I think it was on the BBC, and it was just a creepy story. And so we had kind of batted around some ideas about how it'd be interesting to tell. Uh, like a first-hand account of uh, uh, a cult that is going through something kind of similar, and so we had we had a a, a a story that was loosely based on on that cult leader, and you know you can't you can't do a cult movie without kind of like the 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 Jonestown massacre kind of thing. Um, right, so we right. kind of like took a we, we yeah we took a, a bunch of different um, angles, and I guess we just came up with sort of more, a, a more um, broad, broad strokes, you know, for, for, for the cult leader. Uh, and there's, there's two, there's, um, there's two, two main characters, myself included that, um, uh, break out right, right at the moment of, uh, <clears throat> the mass suicide and, and escape in, uh, from the compound into, into a vast desert. And so myself and the other leading actress, Tamsin Brown, uh, plays her, uh, we escape and spend a, a good deal of the movie running, running from um, uh, this basically a tracker. His name is Draco, and so uh, it, it's like kind of a, a thriller. It's a, it's a pursuit story, but it also goes back and forth between what the cult leader is going through, um, and the story is all kind of tied together through um, a question and answer session that my my character is um, kind of. Forced to take part in, and you'll find out at the end. But there's a, a little bit of a twist. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's a thriller that's kind of in that uh, told under the under the umbrella of a of a cult mass suicide. Okay. Now um, you said you act in it. Um, what roles do you have in this? Um, like, you're the an actor you're what what else are you how or else are you involved in the blessed ones i think i'm also credited as a writer although patrick wrote from the get-go but we did a lot of rewriting um and uh also a producer and now i'm i consider myself a producer sort of out of desperation and i'm not saying that to kind of discount what i do or have done on different movie sets but I don't go out there and try to get work in here in LA as a producer. I, I mean, my, my love is acting. I'm, I'm trained as an actor. Um, but like so many other actors and, and just artists in general in, in the film uh, world, people have to just kind of learn to get a little technical. And I, I don't have any formal film school training. So I'm very kind of my own personal comfort level with that word is like, I always kind of qualify it. At like I, I'm a producer, but you know, I, I basically don't know what I'm doing, which isn't true. I mean, I I think in some ways you can lift up a a, a heavy object or help or go pick somebody up, and, you know, pick up a cast member at their house or 
uh, write some checks and, you know, you're a producer by, by, by name. Um, but okay. I don't really, I don't really look to acquire producer credits as an act, uh, as a film professional. I'm, I'm more interested in the, in the acting world, but I'll produce if I have to, for sure, because you kind of have to do whatever it takes to get the movie off the ground. And so that's kind of what we did. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, it, just for, um, uh, conversation purposes, um, a producer by your definition. Um, like, and I know there are different levels of, of people getting their hands dirty in, you know, um, in the industry and producing. Um, what, um, and I know you're just like scratching the surface, not even wanting to call yourself a producer, but I mean, you know, you certainly did more than just so, I mean, of course, I think you qualify. Um, uh, you also yeah, not, you I don't want write... to take anything away from what I did. Yeah, I, I just don't like to – I don't like to, to, to bat the word around like, oh, baby, I'm a producer. I can, I can get things done. You know, it's kind of <laughs> – I don't know. It's, it, it, it kind of falls into those, like, cheesy Hollywood cliches of, like, oh, okay, you're a multi-hyphenate, meaning, like, you just do it all. And, but it, it's – I don't know. It, it kind of has one of those weird little shines for me, but um, I think to me, any, okay, any, so, any producer is, is like someone who kind of is, is, is shepherding a project from the ground up and they're, you know, they're there at the beginning and they're, they're there at the end and they kind of, um, they help in, in, in a variety of ways to see, see the project through to its completion. Okay. Well, I mean, that's basically going to be my next question in, you know, your eyes, you know, what is basically the definition of a producer? And I think you basically just answered that, you know, the, uh, but kind of like a side question, do you think the role of a producer has changed from like, you know, Hollywood and like, you know, the eighties and nineties to like, you know, what it's become right now? Um, or has that the same, um, I don't know uh, what a producer does. Has it remained the same through the decades or has that, has that kind of changed throughout? Well, that's, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think what you hear and, and my experience, I've, I've only lived in LA for 12 years, which is maybe a long time for certain people, but um, I, I wasn't here in the nineties, but I, I, um, I can only go like on what my idea of a producer was. And my cousin is a producer uh, for example, out here, and, and she's been doing it since the '80s. And I, I, um, I definitely, um, I haven't really picked her brain about it because, again, it's not really my the, the field I want to go into. But by by right. extension, it's it's just something I'm kind of at, at my default. I'm I'm interested in it because I just I'm, I love making movies. So, um, but I think the only thing I would say about that, um, in in my experience, in, in the in the dozen years I've been here, is that the technology has gotten to a point, um, even though I don't understand it all that much, but the technology is, is a lot more accessible and you do have, you have like these platforms like, um, well, Amazon and, and, and YouTube and all the places you can stream content, Vimeo, th things that just weren't around anymore. So you can kind of, you can kind of create your own content. And, and a lot of people are of the firm belief that you have to do that. You absolutely have to do that. And I, I, I share that belief to a degree, for sure. But I think producers well, um, are just 
they, the people are doing more producing now than they maybe ever were. And maybe there are more people like me out there that are just like, you know, they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> why is that? Why is that guy well, a producer? He, he doesn't know the first thing. You know? Well, here's here's my take on everything, uh, and not that that's worth anything, but I I think you're seeing a lot of people um, that you know are kind of frustrated with the industry um, that maybe were once just actors. But now I, I think the um, the industry is producing a lot of people that kind of realize that they have to be more than just one thing. So um, you know you're you're getting people that's going into it and they're 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 writing, they're acting, they're producing, and at yeah. times maybe even directing. Um, but I, I think a lot of people feel that in order to get a project off the ground that they have to wear so many different hats to, to, you know, shepherd it along, you know, AKA be the producer or, or whatever. Um, and, you know, what's your take on that? I mean, I, I think that it, it, because of like, you know, Netflix and Hulu and there's so many different places where, you can find content and there are a lot of places that are like craving original content, um, you know, and things are being produced, not just for, you know, theaters and not just for cable television, but now you're getting, you know, original programming produced for, um, you know, the internet and there's mm-hmm. the internet is such a wide, um, you know, spectrum of, of everything, you know? So, it's almost becoming like endless. Um, so I, you know, I think people have to like, you know, kind of squeeze into different roles to, to even, you know, survive. Yeah. And I, I think when you say survive, it's like creatively, because I, I, I tell my wife this all the time that I, I don't think if I hadn't formed this partnership with Patrick years ago, I don't know if I would have the same sense of satisfaction I mean, who knows, maybe I would have met somebody else and kind of gone off in another direction. But I think the point is, is like, you know, creating your own thing, telling your stories, whether it's, you know, writing, directing, producing, acting, all of the above, um, you know, get, getting getting teams together of people that are like-minded and people that you work well together. And you kind of, you do one project, then you move to a next, and then pretty soon you get this momentum and you get this network of people that you've worked with and they know, they think of you as like, not just one thing and not just another, you know, but you've got like, so it kind of just, it, it snowballs into something where it's like, it, it is what it is. But I think, yeah, it, it's, it, I would probably be very unsatisfied because uh, LA is not the kind of place where you can just show up and, and start working. I, I mean, a lot of times for people, it takes a very, very long time of doing this very sort of thing. Um, if it's not film, then maybe you're, you're, um, on the stage and you're, 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 you're doing plays that, that nobody sees at first. And, you know, there's, there's just these kind of, I guess it's paying your dues, but, um, but now it just seems to be at this place where it's a lot more uh, gratifying. <clears throat> Excuse me. So um, the uh, partnership that you formed with Patrick, you um, have a, I guess that's under a, a name, a production company, basically. Yeah, we call ourselves Lost Order Films because the the, Lost you know, Order the divine okay. order, 
Lost Order films. He had The Divine Order and the first movie that we uh, have not yet made, but we were going to make before we made The Divine Order was called uh, Lost Canyon Road. So we kind of just merged those two titles and called it Lost Order. Okay. So what's the importance, um, I mean, personally, um, of having like a production company? Um, and I mean, I know what, like, what it does and what it means. Like, but I guess what I'm trying to say is, back to my previous um, assumption about needing to wear many, many hats. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that also, I think that also plays into, um, and uh, this is an important thing for. Um, you know, creative people and people that, you know, um, don't want to rely on others and other production mm-hmm. companies, um, but forming your own, you know, house, um, you know, your own production company to nurture your own, you know, creativity in your own films, I, I think that's mm-hmm. becoming yeah. even more important now than it was just a couple years ago. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Even if it's only a figurative, figurative kind of name or a figurative house, you know, you're just kind of calling it something just to kind of have a, a place in space, right? Right, or whatever, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it is uh, – I mean, I, I would love nothing more, and I, I'll be honest. I fantasize about it all the time about having, like, an office space, you know, just something as simple as that. But it, it's, just, it's just really expensive here, so in the meantime – you know, we're using each other's addresses, you know, whether it's mine or his. And, you know, we're just, it, it is like this sort of like, it's, it's, it's in name only, but I think people just sort of start to kind of, it almost becomes like a, a just something that you're kind of known for, you know, it's like, oh, that's a, yeah, the Lost Order Films, right. You know, so it's like a graffiti tag or something. I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think it's got a lot to do with, um, you know, branding and marketing, you know, I mean, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's almost a necessity, uh, in, in a way. Yeah, no, that, that, absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, branding is very, is very important. And I think sometimes we do it just sublimate. Like we don't even think about the fact that we're branding ourselves, but because as an actor, I will tell you this, there is no shortage of, of people out there on Facebook or what have you that are willing to take your money uh, so they can teach you how to quote unquote brand yourself as a, uh, you know, legitimate, what have you, you know what I mean? Like brand your right. business and um, not that there's not <laughs> value in that, but I think sometimes you just do it without even thinking about it. And it's like, of course you're branding yourself. I mean, you, you want to get your, your films out there too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a, it's kind of like a no-brainer. It's kind of, I don't know, I just find that thing to be self-explanatory for most. I mean, well, at least for me. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know why you would want to go to someone for them to tell you something that's so obvious. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, some people just don't feel like they're they're good at that. and Maybe they're, maybe they're not, and... Maybe they've got extra money to kind of invest in 
educational pursuits. There you go. All right, so uh, what I want to do is I'm going to take a, a quick break, and then we can come back, and uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more and uh, you know, maybe dive uh, into um, some horror movie uh, conversation. Love it. That'd be great. All right. So, all right, we'll be right back, guys. Attention business owners, website owners, event promoters, or anyone looking to promote your product. The Totally Driven Entertainment Radio Network is the perfect way to spread the word of your business around the world. That's right. You can advertise at our network and be played on all of our shows at rates that are so cheap. It's a no-brainer. For more information, contact Bay Ragney at bayragney at gmail.com. To keep your business driven, stay driven with Totally Driven Entertainment. Are you a fan of Sherlock Holmes? Letters from Holmes offers unique, one-of-a-kind letters from the world-famous detective himself. Handwritten on 8.5-inch by 11-inch aged parchment paper and using smudge-free ink to produce original, high-quality letters that fans will treasure for years to come. Each letter is handcrafted and written from the perspective of Sherlock Holmes, mimicking Holmes's native tongue and embracing many of the famous detective's quirks, quips, insults and peculiarities. Order a love letter, birthday greeting, personal correspondence or more only at www.etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash letters from homes. For $5 today, you can buy a wealth of things. Gas for your car, rent a movie for the family, a few slices of pizza. $5 still takes you a long ways. But did you know that $5 can buy your child a bag of heroin in the streets? That's right. For only $5, your son or daughter can buy some of the cheapest and purest dope in the country. Be aware of the lies. Be aware of the stealing. Be aware that's all it takes to kill your child. $5. This message was brought to you by Casey's Cause, a group of parents located in southern Chester County out to save your child's life. Come join us today at www.caseyscause.com. And remember, $5 is all it takes. Casey's Cause www.caseyscalls.com Looking for that perfect gift for your girlfriend? Then look no further than Teddy Scares. Teddy Scares are available in a variety of styles, sizes, and prices for all your shopping needs. Teddy Scares are a mix of cute and creepy to make a great gift for almost any age. Board up your windows, lock your doors, and log on to teddyscares.com. And be sure to become our friends at facebook.com slash teddyscares. Calling all comic book fans. Do you collect comics? Did you ever collect comics? Do you think your children might like reading comic books? Do you even know they still print real, paper, non-digital comic books? Well, then visit the Pirates of Ontario Street Comics in Philadelphia. We have a massive collection of comic books, action figures, trading cards, and much more. We have one of the largest stocks of back-issue comics in the area. We bag and board every new comic book at no extra charge. Our store is voted the best comic book shop in the 2013 PHL 17 Hot List Contest. Part of the movie Unbreakable is filmed in our store. We are open seven days a week. Ontario Street Comics is located at 2235 East Ontario Street in the Port Richmond section of Philly. Our phone number is 215-288-7338. Type in the words Ontario Comics Philadelphia to check out our Wacky Stores page on Facebook.
Uh, this is Mike Joy, and I'm back with Andy Gates. Uh, and uh, hey, Andy. Um, hey, you know, we've been talking a little bit about uh, the blessed ones and, you know, uh, the whole process that it uh, went through from name change and your role as actor and producer. And, you know, um, trying to dig a little bit deeper and, you know, get a little bit more information about, you know, hey, what it's all about. Um, so. Hey, you mentioned a little bit earlier uh, about you know, uh, you know, being a dad, having kids, um, and uh, I'm I'm right there with you. And uh, you know, <laughs> running a um, you know running a horror website and uh, you know doing this podcast, I often uh, you know before the show or beginning of the show, uh, I want to put a disclaimer out there or you know a warning, you know, because you know my um, my studio is. Uh, is not closed off and it is open ground. So, you know, I have a, a daughter that's 10 and then one that's going to be two years old uh, in a week. So, uh, you know, uh, at any given time, there could be the uncontrollable screaming and tantrums going on. So <laughs> I, I always, uh, you know, should I put it out there that just in case you hear, you know, you know, blood curdling screams. You know, <laughs> that is okay. Yeah, I was thinking about the same thing because my my daughter literally got home from school um, with with my wife. My my daughter goes to uh, daycare. Uh, well, she goes to preschool now. She's three and a half, and she got home like right at six o'clock. And I, I mean, I told my wife and said, "Hey, I'm, I'm going to be on the on the phone for a little bit when you guys get home." And they're really really good about. I mean, she yeah, my, exactly. I'm in the same boat. She could she could come walking in at any any moment. But um, so far, um, I don't want to jinx it, but I've, I've been <laughs> I've been lucky. So you wouldn't get any any uh, sideways glances from me because I I uh, I know how it goes. Yeah. But, uh, All right. You know, blood curling blood curling screens would would be appropriate for a, a you know a, a podcast about people that work in the profession of, you know, trying to make horror movies and, you know, horror movie kind of aficionados. Exactly. So it wouldn't be out of the question. Um, so anyway, um, what I wanted to um, just, uh, what I have to bring up right now is uh, a little bit of a, a plug. Um, Exploitation Films uh, is releasing a horror Christmas film uh, called Red Christmas, and it stars uh, the one and the only Dee Wallace. Uh, if uh, you don't know who Dee Wallace is, uh, then you're living under a rock um, because she's <laughs> been in so many great movies. I mean, she's the mom from E.T., the extraterrestrial. She's the mom from Cujo. Um, obviously, she plays a lot of different kinds of moms. Uh, and then she's the mom in this new movie, Red Christmas, um, but I mean, you know, I think one of my favorite movies she's ever been in was The Howling, uh, which is just incredible. Um, maybe my favorite werewolf movie. Um, in that I've never and, seen that. That's been one that I've been meaning to to see. R- really? I mean, it's, it's The Howling. It's, yeah, I've never seen that. It's between that and um, American Werewolf in London. They're like my two top werewolf movies. 
Um, well, we'll get back to that in a second, but I just wanted to continue. Um, Craig Anderson is the director. He's the uh, Australian director. Uh, and this shot, this movie was shot um, completely in Australia. And the Red Christmas is about um, basically um, a, a family in turmoil that get a visitor on Christmas Eve night. And not giving too much away, um, mm-hmm. you know, this visitor this visitor creates a lot of havoc and, uh, you know, a lot of stress and there's a lot of bloodshed. Um, so it's a pretty, pretty cool, um, pretty cool movie, pretty cool premise. Uh, and I'm really excited about it. Uh, and, uh, you know, just on a, um, just on a side note, and, you know, I really don't dive into it that much, but... Um, you know, I do, besides the horrornews.net gig, um, you know, I've, I've been working for this company, Artsploitation Films, and I'm doing their um, their marketing for this movie. Um, so I'm really excited about that. It's really been a uh, learning experience as far as, um, you know, dealing with um, the uh, festival run that we're doing right now uh, and then dealing with the theatrical release, which is going to be coming up um, at the end of August or, yeah, the end of August, uh, and then a DVD, uh, VOD Blu-ray release that's going to be coming up, um, you know, in October just in time for, you know, basically a run from Halloween to Christmas. Um, so, uh, again, pretty pretty exciting um, venture that uh, you know I'm kind of involved in right now, and uh, I just wanted to uh, you know not to not to take away from uh, anything, but this you know a personal plug there. Um, but uh, D. Wallace, um, getting back to the Howling, um, I can't believe you've never seen that movie. Yeah, and I think like we talked about last time, I I I, I do have. Um, some vacancies in my um, my uh, knowledge of, of classical horror films. Like I, I'm a huge fan of the genre, but again, like I, I always find that there's just not enough time to watch everything that's out there. And I, I didn't grow up. I mean, I grew up knowing that I loved horror movies, and of course, I've seen you know some of you know I've seen Cujo, uh, but I, I just I don't have like a encyclopedic knowledge of, of kind of every, every movie that I've ever seen and every movie that, so I, I just, I'm always playing catch up, which is fine. Cause I love it. I feel like the student, you know, I feel like the pupil in, in, in many conversations. Cause I'm just like always learning uh, and just soaking it all up. So uh, no, I haven't seen the howling. I know, I know, you know, it was directed by Joe Dante who, I mean, he's, he's kind of uh uh, I know that name. Um, I think did he direct Cujo too, or um, he might have done some Stephen yeah. King movies. I feel like he's done some other like well-known horror movies, like Gremlins. I think he did Gremlins. You know, my, really considered a horror movie. It's it's a horror comedy. I, I guess would be a good classification for Gremlins. I mean, I've always you know, kind of refer to it as a horror movie, but um, I guess very loosely. I mean, obviously the, um, the, 
the Mogwai, the, uh, you know, Gizmo is, um, you know, more of the, um, you know, family-friendly, you know, kind of almost Disney-esque part of what Gremlins is. But but then, you know, once, once the Mogwai turns into the Gremlins, I guess that's when the horror aspect kind of really kicks in um, because, you know, they create all kind of havoc and damage and destruction and yeah. you know, people, die, people die. And, I, you know, I guess that's the kind of the horror, you know, part of it, um, which is cool. Um, I think uh, once Gremlins 2 happened, the new batch, um, right. You know, they just went way overboard with the comedy element, and it was just, you know, the one was much, a much much better movie. I, I don't know. I just couldn't get into getting behind two um, it, at all. Yeah, did I, you I think see I probably two? saw it just because I, I, I probably I did. I don't really have much of a memory of it, probably because. It just, you know, it kind of came and went, and I don't know. I mean, it. Yeah, I saw it, but it. It's very forgettable. I remember just what I try. I guess I try to forget about it, but I know Hulk Hogan's in it. <laughs> um, that's right. Which, that's right. Yeah, Hulk Hogan is definitely in it. No uh, doubt about know, it. Nothing against the Hulkster, but um, you know, I don't know. It just. Having Hulk Hogan in, in it makes it even less of a horror movie, more of a uh, pop culture fun, phenomenon, if you will. Yeah, and Gremlins has certainly become that. Um, no, I, I think you know my thing is just being a, a I'm sort of a, a junkie for being scared. Like that's like that's where I get my 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 kicks out of out of being like really 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 scared, and I just. It's hard for me, you know. I, I'm, I'm, I can appreciate tension. I can appreciate like, you know, that that element of of fear that doesn't quite get you to that place of like being ridiculously scared. But I, I, you know, there's just there's so many subgenres of that horror genre. So I think you just end up kind of, all right. Well, this is this is a creature feature, and that's okay. You know, that's all well and good. I saw the movie Kong Skull Island. And I just I I absolutely loved it. I loved everything about it. And I, I I do have like a a monster movie like soft spot, you know. And I thought it was really well done. And it was just pure entertainment. But no. And you know, here's the thing. Um, I mean, you would think, um, and everyone would assume that I have seen every single horror movie as soon as it is released. And that is so far from the truth. Um, and no, I mm-hmm. have not seen. I want to, I do, but I have not seen Kong Skull Island yet. Um, so, um, but like you, um, you know, I, I grew up with King Kong, you know, and watching, uh, you know, the 1930s version when I was a kid, uh, and yeah. then um, I, watching the remake from in the in the 70s um, with right. uh, Jessica Lange, I think, right. Um, and yes, it was, it was Jessica Lang, right? Jeff Bridges. Okay. Jessica Jeff Lang Bridges, and right. Jeff Bridges. Okay, so you know, watching that one in the, from the seventies, and then you know, um, watching the uh, Naomi Watts one from maybe what ten years ago. So yeah, I've always yeah, and people really don't the, like that movie. I I really liked it quite a bit. 
So well, say what you yeah, will, but I, mean, I, I, I enjoyed it. The Naomi Watts one? Yeah. Yeah, I thought, Jack Black. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, you know, I, I was very happy with how that turned out. You'll like Kong Skull Island. It, it, it holds up well in that kind of world. Okay, so uh, and it's a it's a different seen, take too. Okay, um, you see, so you've seen all all the versions of the King Kong that we mentioned, right? Basically, yes. The, you, you, I, the okay. original so, one is probably the one that I've seen. Like, it's been the longest, but yes, I've seen them all. Um, and I know, I mean, you're talking about like. No, not a hundred years, but I mean, close to it, you know, a hundred years worth of like, you know, technology, like upgrades, you know, the thirties, the seventies, you know, and into the two thousands. So, I mean, I know sometimes it's hard to compare, you know, when, when movies are like that far apart, but do you have a favorite uh, version of King Kong? Um, I, I, I really was, I was watching it was just this last week, so it's it's still really really fresh in my mind. But I was watching Skull Island, and I just kept repeating in my head as I'm as I'm just taking it all in. I just kept thinking, "Oh my God, I love this! I love this so much! I, I'm loving this! I, I love everything that's happening! I'm, I love it! I love it! I love it!" I was really? so jazzed. Yeah, I mean, it's so, it. Part of it is like the style, the the directing style. I, I couldn't tell you who the director was, but I, they really, I really kind of was on board with with the the style they were. And I, I believe it has some. There's some tie-ins to the. Um, <clears throat> I don't think they're comic books, but there but there is like a lore of. Um, there, there's some, I think they're they're doing some sort of like you know how like the Marvel cinema, cinematic universe and the the extended yeah. universe of Warner of the DC comics. I think they're trying to do something similar with the with the monsters like Godzilla and sequels of Godzilla and eventually Godzilla and King Kong will will meet pretty soon in the movies like legendary pictures and I can't remember who else is involved. So I think there is like a a a, a larger arc of of um, stuff that we don't. We haven't seen quite yet, but um, okay. uh, I, I I really really like this one. It was it was the acting, the actors involved, uh, the uh, the direction the direction style the the special effects. In, for my money, they were great. It looked great. It was it was really entertaining. So I'll go with Skull Island. Wow, that's that's cool. Now you're really going to make me want to see it, and I'm happy to hear <laughs> that. Um, there's going to be, um, you know, if, if that's if that's the case, I would love a a whole monster expanded universe um, because, you know, I mean, you know, I remember of course Godzilla versus King Kong and the um, you know that the Japanese version from you know back in the day and um, yeah and then Monster Monster Island and you know like you know like all those Godzilla movies. You know where they have like so many different kinds of like you know monsters fighting Godzilla. So I mean, to me, it sounds like they're going to try to expand and do something like that, and that's very cool. Um, I uh, I remember, and I don't know how. What? Where? Where did you grow up at? Um, what? 
Uh, well, I, I guess my formative years, like through like um, the end of sixth grade on through on through high school, were spent in Sacramento, California. Um, and before, prior to that, I was actually in Pennsylvania in um, Allentown, uh, like kindergarten okay. through sixth sixth grade. So like my my childhood was split between those two places. It, I, I always kind of have to qualify that like, well, I, I, you know, up until sixth grade, I was in Allentown and then, and then I moved out West. Okay. So in Allentown, I mean, I don't know if you remember, um, but you know, back in the day they used to do, um, did, did you, I mean, I don't know what your Thanksgiving tradition was, but mine was, they always played King Kong movies and Godzilla movies like on like Thanksgiving and then like the day after Thanksgiving. Like uh, I think, um, you know, and I'm in New Jersey, so I mean, I'm like not too far from, you know, we're, we're right next door to Pennsylvania. So I don't know if we yeah. have the same cable carriers or whatever, but, um, but yeah, I remember like there was a channel that specifically played, like every year it was a thing and like that's what like my memories of thanksgiving are or like king kong and godzilla yeah i i i gosh i you know uh i think it was wizard of oz definitely the wizard of oz played on 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 one of the holidays um i remember football was always on during thanksgiving um i i would just i would devour those those movies every time every chance I got as a kid um and I I couldn't remember I I don't remember like what the titles of what were or when they were playing I just remember whenever they did play I jumped at it and I remember I wanted to see the Clash of the Titans so badly and my parents didn't let me go I was at like I was at a camp in Pennsylvania and I I was just, I'd seen, I guess it was the trailer. I don't know. It was out and in the, in the public sphere. And I, I guess it was kind of popular at the time. This is the one from the, from the eighties, early eighties, I guess. Yeah. No, totally. I know. And there were, there was, there was a dinosaur in that. Oh, Anything dinosaur, Godzilla, monsters, you know, I was, I was all for it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't discriminate. If it's a big monster and it eats people, you know, hey, it's, it's, I'm all for it. You know, in Clash of the Titans, I mean, that had the um, the Kraken, you know, basically sure, that sure. Um, huge, you know, monster god thing that came out of the sea and, you know, basically, you know. I like all those mythology-type movies where, like, you know, you get Medusa with the snakes in her hair and, you know, um, the... Um, you know these, you know, like Jason the Argonauts, and and even and um, you know Sinbad and all those movies. You know mm-hmm. because I mean they're kind of like you know not horror but horror related. You know because I mean those guys are always fighting like skeletons coming up with swords, and you know there's always like some kind of like one-eyed org, you know, trying to stop them. So you know like those movies as well. You know were you know, just a big influence as far as, like, you know, the whole monster movie, like, culture that, like, you know, we grew up with. 
Right. Yeah. It's the, the, the imagery, the imagery gets kind of seared into your brain and it, and it just is, you know, you, you either take to it or you don't, I think. And, um, I guess I took to it, but there was a period of time where I think I let it go. I remember very specifically because I was a huge Star Wars fan. And being, I was a shy child. I I didn't, you know, I I made friends, but like it took me a while. And I was just kind of, it took me a while to warm up to to kids growing up. And so by the time we moved from Pennsylvania, I had made this like batch of friends that I had to up and leave and start over in California. And I was this huge Star Wars nerd and not really a nerd. I mean, I just, it was like, it was very popular at the time and, and as, still as, is. As and, was I. Right, right. And I, I was proud of it, but I, I remember I got to California and I, my first day of school, I brought a Star Wars figure or two with me. And mind you, I was in sixth grade. So maybe this was not the quote unquote coolest thing I could have done, but I brought, uh, Star Wars figures. I think it was a Gemerian guard or something from Return of the Jedi. And uh, man, was I like laughed out of that classroom. I think the kids were basically just like, um, yeah, we we don't play with toys anymore. We actually we skateboard and we go outside and we do outside things because it's California and that's what we do. It's sunny all the time and yeah, we don't play with toys anymore. And I wow, I remember that was a bit. <laughs> That was a big turning point, and I think, you know, maybe it was the California social lifestyle, and being a shy kid, I was just like, oh man, I've, I've got to get, I've got to get my 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 game on. I gotta, I have to, I have to fit in. Of course, there is some of that, and, uh, but my point is, is that I kind of dropped off some of that um, innate uh, uh, fan fanboy sort of. Uh, vibe of like just loving monsters and I think later on in my life you know in my in my 20s and 30s I really came to like, like embrace um, you know Jurassic Park or King Kong or things where it's just like I'm not going to apologize it at all I mean I, I know exactly what these movies are they're monster movies they're just, they, they, they satisfy like this sort of base entertainment value in my brain and I love it and I'm not going to apologize for it you know so it's my little psychological backstory of my of my monster movie uh fandom yeah no i mean and you are a lot like um you know where everyone is a lot like you and you're a lot like you know i mean even myself you know i i share a very similar story you know being shy and you know being a star wars you know geek uh you know quote unquote geek um and loving horror movies so you know there are I feel that you know we're in kind of like our own society um, and this is going to sound really strange but like you know I I relate to very few people but when I go to places where others commune um, like horror conventions um, that's Mm -hmm. where I feel sometimes that's where I feel most at home because there are so many people under one roof that kind of have the same, um, well, I mean, they do have the same likes as me and, you know, kind of grew up watching the same things that I did and playing with the same toys that I had, you know? So I don't know. 
and I don't know if um, if you get a chance to go to too many conventions or comic cons or horror, you know, uh, conventions, but you know, in you know, I, I mean, I know they're out on the West Coast. I know they're pretty plentiful in the East Coast, popping up, you know, in Jersey and Pennsylvania and New York. Um, but it's, it's always, yeah, they're every, you know, people, people can make a career doing, I mean, not just the people that are selling their wares, but you know, like actors, um, like D Wallace, for example, I think she, she goes, she goes around to a lot of those conventions. I think when she's not working on film projects it, or so it seems to me and you know, no, they, they it, make, it, they make, yeah. Yeah. I know she does. And I mean, honestly, um, a lot of if you make here, here's here's my thing, right? If from what I've seen, and this is so true, if you have a movie from like I don't know, let's just say like the '80s that did pretty well and ha- has gotten to the point where you know it, it has like a cult following, um, or at least a horror fan following, then you can make, you can melt that. You can make a pretty good career out of being the guy in, um, you know, you know, a, a zombie in Night of the Living Dead, for instance. You know, right? If that's all, if that's all you ever did, then you can. I mean, that's fine because you can go to every single horror convention and you're the guy, you're the zombie or whatever it may be, you know, from Night of the Living Dead or, you know, you were, you know, the, you know, third victim in, you know, Halloween or Friday the 13th or, you know, you're um, the little boy from Child's Play, you know, uh, which I know he does conventions all the time, you know. So, I mean, like, definitely oh, yeah. Yeah. you can make, you know, and I'm assuming they make some money off of it or they wouldn't do it so much. Um, but yeah, you could make a decent like little thing, you know, uh, um, doing these conventions, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it definitely can, can, can pay the bills. I, I don't know much about the ins and outs of it. I've been to some of those conventions more as a, as just a fan or checking them out or whatever. Um, uh, yeah, I, I agree. You do. I mean, so, sometimes there's people there that where they're not even part of a, an iconic franchise, wh- whether it be horror or science fiction or something else. But it's just like it, it really is a, a mixed bag under one roof. Um, but uh, I can see why people go to them. You know, they're they're fairly entertaining. Um, and if I if I was in that position as an actor. Um, I don't know. I guess it depends on, on how much money you could make. And if I enjoyed the process, I've never been at a table uh, before, but I have friends that have done it. And I guess it's, you know, for the social types, you could, you could definitely network a little bit and um, see some of your old favorite TV stars or movie stars or directors yeah. probably even do panels and stuff. Comic-Con just yeah, down here. That's, that's like the mother of all of them. Oh my God! Yeah, I know. I, I followed a little bit of what was going on, but uh, yeah, always interested because they always debut different trailers and and different like you know clips or whatever of upcoming movies. So that's always kind of fun. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I gobble some of that. By the way, the trailer for it looks just amazing. I, I, I'm really that's like the the next horror movie that I really am pretty excited about. Yeah, coming out in September, I believe, uh, and that's uh, definitely on my go-to list. Uh, I'm not gonna let that one pass me by. No, that that's the. I think those are the same people that directed Mama, which was a, which was a, a really. I, I enjoyed that movie as well. That, that freaked me out. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, some talented individuals behind some of these franchises. I'm also a big fan of, I, I might go check out the Annabelle sequel. Um, I was, I was pretty skeptical of the first Annabelle, the spinoff from conjuring. Cause I was such a, a conjuring fan. And I was like, Oh, I don't know what they're doing here. Are they trying to just milk the franchise? I mean, I guess why wouldn't they to, generate more more money but I, I really was surprised by Annabelle I was it there was some very very uh great I would re, I would rewatch that actually and I don't rewatch many movies but it was it was well well done well you know what it's interesting and you know I kind of wanted to circle around to this anyway um you know we were talking about the extended universe with all the monsters King Kong Godzilla and um, Blumhouse is kind of doing the same thing um you know with the Conjuring franchise and Trust me, I, I loved The Conjuring and The Conjuring 2. I thought they were both fantastic, uh, as well as Annabelle. But um, you know, now it's like you know, um, they're doing these spinoffs, or there's news of them doing these spinoffs about you know um, different characters that like you know you kind of seen in The Conjuring, like the nun. I think she's going to get her own movie. Um, yeah, which and, and then would you know, be the out. nun is like this. Yeah, that's like the scariest uh, character right. out there, I mean, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, and then the um, the other one is the um, and I for you know what what was the the toy the the skinny man the to- the what was that um, you know what I'm talking about right in ca- the the in, the in the Conjuring. Yeah, that that uh, one's getting a spinoff too. It was. Um, oh, I like didn't the know that. Wow. Skin- yeah, so that one is, uh, is uh, it, at least is a rumor, I don't, and I think it's more than a rumor. But so basically, Blumhouse is um, doing this whole um, extended universe, kind of like Marvel does, as you mentioned. Um, but it's good to see that um, that's kind of like happening with a horror franchise now, because. Honestly, like a couple years ago, um, like it was like swirling around in my head that, you know, just a question I was asking myself, wow, you know, I mean, like Star Wars, you know, there's this whole universe, you know, and then like, you know, these superhero movies, there's this whole universe. Wow, why can't they do that with like a horror franchise? And now we're getting glimpses of like that actually happening. Um, where like movies are spilling onto each other, and there, there's it's more than just one movie. There's you know kind of like you know it's branching off into all different directions. Um, I'm just right. I'm just very upset that I wasn't the one to to actually do it. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I swear. Well, in, Maybe with your with your with your script uh, with that Afterlife, <laughs> there'll, there'll be uh, it'll be such a it'll be such a, a hit it'll strike such a 
a, a chord with the with the zeit the cultural zeitgeist that uh, they'll want to see spinoffs from all the characters and you know. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's it's funny, and and I guess we'll we'll mention it real quick. And it's and there's no no I keep it as no surprise that I've I've written a, a script uh, called Dead Afterlife, and I've talked about it on this show and and multiple other shows, and it's it's a work in progress, and and we're still going through that process. But um, but yeah, I mean, if I can just mention when I was um, you know, kind of just sitting down and brainstorming and writing this thing, um, I actually did kind of have that in mind that um, I would trail off and and kind of like have these visions of where like, these other characters would go beyond, you know, where my script would end, you know? Right. And I, like I have many ideas jotted down. Not that like any of them would you know, become, you know, um, a reality, but uh, who knows? But I mean, just having that in my mind and, and being able to kind of like put that to paper, um, you know, at least like I have this whole idea of like a background and future of like all these different people that were in, you know, and I mean, I don't know if you ever do that, but I mean, I don't know, I guess it's just a thing where like I like to know where everyone kind of came from and where they're going. And I don't know. That's a good, that's a good, that's a good habit to, to be in. Uh, it sounds like you're there kind of just naturally. You just do that. That's yeah. That I think some people have to kind of uh, work at that. I, I would, I would venture to guess because I, I, as a writer, I don't, I don't always do that. I mean, it sounds like you just have a natural curiosity to to kind of tease out those details and that's that's a really good uh that's a good thing to do as a writer or any any sort of story creator well here's here's the thing about writing okay and you've you've written so i'm gonna ask your opinion when you when you write do you how do you write do you do you know what the ending is and you write towards that. Um, what, what's your mentality of like writing and creating as you write? Well, ever the self-deprecator, I have to stay, I have to stay in line with my personality traits, which my wife always gives me grief about. And that is, I am basically I do all the things that you should not do as a writer. I, I do all the, I have all the worst habits of any writer, which is why I'm always, because I have a brother who's a successful writer and he, he does it the right way. And I know other writers that I see how they do it. I see, I don't watch them write, obviously that'd be weird, but I watch, I, I, I look at the, the results and I talk to them about writing and I hear about their schedule, how they're very regimented I'm not that way at all. I'm very scattered, and I tend to – when I do write, and I've written scripts, don't get me wrong, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say some of them are even kind of good or interesting, and, and they're in various states of either not getting made or getting made, but they're um, – by me, by the way, not not like Lionsgate features. No, but like, um, understood. Yeah, but uh, I, uh, I, I write – to answer your question, I, I write in fits and spurts. I, I write – um, 
I, I have a bad time. I have a hard time kind of forcing myself just to sit down and write. And that, and that is kind of the process. That is how, that is how stuff gets written by just staring at a, a blank page and, and just kind of marching forward into the, into the vast expanse of nothing until there's words okay. on it. Um, so um, I tend to kind of structure a story. I have like, I have ideas that hit me in very sporadic moments and I'll kind of structure a story and do a treatment or an outline. And then I'll, I usually like to collaborate with other like-minded people and uh, rarely do I kind of go at it alone. So I, I tend to get into the company and get inspired by the company of a co-writer. Okay. Um, no, and that's, that's good. You know, and, and I, I, um, you know, when I've, what I've ever written, I've, you know, kind of, I've never had a co-writer, so I've just done it myself. But, um, you know, when I'm in my own headspace and I'm kind of like, you know, there, um, and I don't know if this is the correct way to do it or not, but when I write, like, I have no idea where I'm going. You know, I'm just writing and I'm writing from scene to scene. Uh, and then I'm kind of letting it take me on the ride and, you know, then it kind of just shows up to, like, what it should be. Right. Like, you know, it's like, oh, okay, you know, as I'm writing this, it's like, then the ideas will pop into my head that, like, oh, you know, well, maybe, you know, he should take a left turn and not a right, you know, and, like, you know, mm-hmm. oh, well, you know, if he does that, then he's going to run into this other person, you know, and, okay, so if that happens, then, you know, they can meet and, you know, blah, blah, blah. What? But, I mean, basically the bottom line is, like, I don't know what, where I'm going or what the hell I'm doing, but as I'm writing it, it, it kind of all comes to me. Right. Yeah, it's like so. once there's something there, you can know that if there is the right place for everybody in your story to be or it becomes like, you know, oh, maybe they should be over here. You know, like once they're once they're yeah. kind of yeah, there once there's a cast of characters, so to speak, around your right. story, then you then you know if like if a certain character should should speak a certain way. You can just start to kind of you know, it's like having a block of you know wood or clay or whatever you you want to whittle or sculpt sculpt out. You know, you kind of you start to see something take shape and you're like, Oh, okay, this is, this is great. Or this is awful. I should change this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With, um, with dead afterlife, you know, I knew exactly how the beginning was going to go. I always knew the beginning, but I had no ending. I never even knew how it would end until I actually got there. And it wasn't until I actually was like at the ending that I knew that that was the ending that I knew that I had, right. I had finally arrived at where I wanted to be, you know? And it's like, okay, you know, now everything makes sense, you know? Um, but, uh, and I mean, I think some people, I, I mean, at least I think some people know the ending like in the beginning and then they work towards that. I never knew the ending. I, I had to get there. Yeah, I, I think it. Yeah, I think that could be a blessing and a curse because I think, you know, may, maybe you discover an amazing route to take 
to the ending of your story, which of course you don't know, you know, what the ending is. You know what I mean? Like, I think you can, if you, if you know the ending in advance, you might not have as much freedom to tell the story right. you need to tell, you know, it'll, it'll uh, limit you, know, you in a way. Yeah. It, it's like, I guess, you know, it's, you, there's, yeah. If you have, so if you know the ending, like here, like here's my take. So if you know the ending and you know these two people are going to meet at the end, then, you know, you're kind of limited because then you know throughout the movie you can't kill off either one of those people. <laughs> you right. Know? But, but I mean, or, I mean, it can be a lot deeper than that. But I'm just saying, you know, it's like you, if you have a specific ending, you know, like you can't alter things that much because you have to have that ending. I mean, unless unless you're willing to like you know scratch your ending and go with something else, of course, and sure, but um, but I don't know, um, but uh, I mean, thank you for your two cents because I always wanted to see how someone else, you know, how their journey would go if it was similar to mine or different as far as the whole creative writing process. I, yeah, I think the most important thing with being creative is just to allow yourself to kind of, you know, going back to that like that sixth grade kid that, uh, that showed up at, at 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 his first day of school with Star Wars figures, just like own own you, who you are and have fun with it. And I think because I'm so hard on myself with everything I do, not just the creative stuff, but that I mean that that's what I'm trying to make my career doing. So it becomes like a chore, like when you're when you're constantly on yourself like i should be a i should be a better writer and here's how i should be a more dedicated actor by doing this that and the other thing instead of just like instead of just diving in and and having an experience without judgment you know like this this is this is my process i mean if, uh, why do you have to label everything like just do your thing do what you do and don't necessarily question it i mean we're not really you know we're not if you're not hurting anybody, you don't really have anything to really answer to, you know. So why be your own worst enemy? That's just my own kind of personal narrative. Unfortunately, it's like no, answering no. to myself, exactly. like why aren't you? Why aren't you a more productive individual? No, I, I, I hear you. I'm, you know, um, but you know what? I, I should probably, I should probably ask you. Um, you know, I know we talked about the blessed ones and, you know, kind of for a while now we've veered off and have been talking about everything from King Kong to, you know, um, you know, writing to Star Wars to, you know, everything. Um, mm-hmm. Are there any other pro- projects that you want to um, talk about or is there anything else that you um, want to plug because it's, you know, whatever you want to talk about is definitely open ground. Oh, well, well thank you. Yeah. I will definitely, um, uh, the, the next, I, I do have other projects with lost order films. We finished a movie called the service, which is, um, uh, a kind of a slasher, uh, crime tale. Um, <clears throat> it's still taking shape in the editing room. So we're, we're kind of at that point where we're like, I, I, I couldn't talk that intelligently about like the movie that it is. Cause we're Patrick and I are still figuring that out. Uh, I mean, of course there's a script and we know the movie it is, but, um, 
But I, I jumped into pre-production on a movie called The Form, which is more – it's kind of like a dream project in a way because I, I – uh, collaborating with Patrick, it's like I really want to do a horror movie. And, of course, we had this slasher called Lost Canyon Road, which never got made, and then we made um, The Blessed Ones, which – you know, it has horror elements, but it's not like a straightforward horror movie. And the service is more of like a crime story. Um, and now it's like, okay, I wrote the form with a partner named Alicia Seaton, who's done the, between the two of us, we've done a fair amount of like movies in the horror genre. And we were okay. both on board with uh, telling this kind of a, uh, basically it's a ghost story. Um, so we, we finished the script. We're making some adjustments to that. Um, and uh, we have a great team together along with um, um, Ariel Braxton. And uh, so, yeah, we're that, I'm very, very excited about that. And we're looking kind of for a director and um, uh, just it, it's, uh, it's kind of turning into whatever it's going to turn into, but it's, uh, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of kind of like, okay, what now? But um, it's, uh, it's fun. It's, it's, it's fun stuff. And it's um, hopefully very scary. When it's all said and done. Okay. So. Well, as, as these projects, you know, form and come to be and, and more things, you know, are, are known and, and it actually happens, I mean, obviously, you know, we'll talk more and, you know, it'll be the opportunity will be there for you to, you know, be on here more and it'll be fun. It'll be good. Oh, thank you. No, I, I am, I am definitely, uh, I really appreciate these chats and I appreciate the, the opportunity to kind of come on and, and, and talk about stuff. And, um, it's great. I mean, it's, it's, it's great to catch up and, uh, I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I do appreciate you kind of stretching this out with me a little bit. Uh, I, I had originally planned on having a, a second guest on tonight, but, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, things happen and, and people get busy. So, you know, that kind of, you know, dwindled. But, um, you know, I got some pretty cool interviews coming up in the upcoming weeks. I'm going to be talking to um, a gentleman who directed uh, the trailers out there. It's a movie called The Hatred. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but hmm. it's really, um, really scary, really um, freaky trailer. Um, and uh, basically... The Hatred, it, okay. Oh. The Hatred, yeah. Um and if I can just tell you a little bit, you know what? I'm trying to let me see. Um, I looking something up. Uh, I believe uh, Michael Michael Kehoe um, is a gentleman that I'm going to be talking with. Um, I think sometime this week or next week, um, and. Uh, Look up the trailer for it um, because it's pretty cool. It's um, I think that a babysitter goes up in um, the room um, because uh, the little girl was, you know, I don't know, she's seen something. Uh, so the babysitter, you know, checks in the closet. And I, at least I think she's a babysitter. It might be the sister, but, you know, whatever the case may be. She checks in the closet. You know, she checks around the room. You know, the little girl's, like, sitting on the bed, and she's just scared. And then, like, you know, finally you know, the babysitter, you know, goes to check under the bed and she looks under the bed and the little, little girl is under the bed and she's like, shh, that's not me up there. And then like, you know, it's just like, oh my God, you know, it's like, you didn't see that one coming. 
Um, and then like you know. Okay, yeah, I pulled up then, like, the trailer right here on YouTube, so I'm gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna ch- I'm gonna definitely check this out. It looks pretty scary. They've got a ton of views too, so good for them. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, he's doing like a um, like a, a almost like a grassroots campaign. He said. Um, and I'm more than happy to help out. So we'll be talking to him, and uh, uh, so that'll be fun. And then also I have uh, an interview. I talked about Red Christmas a little bit earlier. Uh, I got an uh, interview coming up yeah. with Dee Wallace. Um, so I mean, that's exciting. Be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's someone that you just you just hear a lot about, and of course she's a like you said she's a legend, and she's just been working so long and. And that is such a that is such a feat in in and of itself. Uh, but, but you know, then you look at her her resume is just littered with with classic movies and roles. And uh, I've never crossed paths with her, but I mean, I she'd be someone that I'd love to uh, love to work with and just to just to talk to. So that's uh, I'm excited for you. Yeah. Well, when I have you know what I'll do when I have her on the show, I'll uh, I'll send you a link to the show. Uh, so if you want to listen, I mean, you know, obviously feel free. Um, so it would sure. be pretty cool. Um, so, I mean, anyway, um, a lot of cool stuff. Um, also, you know, while I'm on here, uh, I do want to plug um, my uh, my friends, my good friends, Tommy Dunucci and uh, David Gare over at Woodhaven Films. They're doing um, a uh, yeah. uh, online uh, store. Um, you can now sell... Um, I'm sorry, you can now buy uh, their movies directly right from, um, basically right from the filmmakers. So, I mean, you still get it from, um, you know, you know, wherever you would find their films, Netflix and, and whatever, but they kind of decided to go um, uh, a route where you can, you know, purchase all their movies. Their movies include um, Almost Mercy, uh, Army of the Damned, um, and uh, I mean, they're um, there's 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 uh, one of my kids there in the background. <laughs> I just I don't know I, I can hear it, but I, I don't know if you just heard my daughter. She was having a big old meltdown. Okay. Um, I just went through the so, same thing. <laughs> so no, anyway, I'm just trying to wrap this up real quick. So um, just the guys at Woodhaven, they're um, doing some pretty cool stuff over at. Um, you know, um, woodhavenmedia.com, where um, you can buy all of their films directly from them, direct from the filmmakers. So it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, they look to be. They look like a very, very impressive company. So, so um, yeah, I was I was checking them out earlier. So, any listeners out there, um, go to their. I was on their Facebook page, but I'm sure they have other pages as well. But they got they got it together over there at Woodhaven. Yeah, so pretty cool stuff. It's a I'm production impressed. company out of um, out of Rhode Island, uh, and I, I've been up to Rhode Island to visit those guys before. And um, you know they, um, you know, run a tight operation, and it's um, it's it's fun to be part of. You know, in any any aspect, it's fun to be part of their movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I love kind of I like to say like stealing ideas from other companies and not, and not in like a bad way, but just like a, um, how do they do what they do? And, and, and how, like, I see things like that with, uh, with lost order. And I'm just like, I want, I like what they do and I want to do things more along those lines, <laughs> just yeah, like the yeah. other production companies and, and, and how they, how they have their, 
how they have their stuff together. It's, it's, um, it can be inspiring in, in a good way. Definitely. All right. Well, uh, you know what? Um, I won't keep you any longer. You know, I know you got kids and so do I. So um, we'll wrap this thing up. And it's been great talking to you once again. Uh, and, you know, obviously we're going to do this again. Um, so, uh, you know, thanks, Andy. No, thank you. Thank you, Michael Joy. I, I always appreciate talking to you. I appreciate the time. And um, keep keep doing what you're doing because it's, it's all good stuff. And uh, I am going to watch this scary trailer for The Hatred and uh, look forward to hearing more about that project. Yeah, check it out. All right. Thank well, you, this sir. This is uh, Horror News Confidential, and uh, we've been talking to Andy Gates. Uh, and uh, I'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye. A scientist named Frankenstein made a monster by sewing together parts of old dead bodies. You have to read that stuff. Wait a minute. Frankenstein gave the monster eternal life by shooting it full of electricity. Some people claim it is not dead even now. Uh Just dormant. (laughs) Now, who'd be silly enough to believe that? (laughs) (laughs) Who would be silly enough to believe that? (laughs) (laughs) Me. Uh